want you to meet a face. What? I want you to meet a face. Forget about it. No, I want you to meet a face. Go ahead. Yeah, take it back. I said, forget about it. I ain't doing it. Come on, we have fights all the time. When you worry now, you're gonna hit me in the face. Hit me in the face. Go ahead. No, what are you afraid? Afraid of what? Come on, don't be a little Come on, hit me. Take it by shot, Jack. Come on, Jack, huh? You're gonna be a real jerk and want me to punch you in the face. Hey, Joey, did I not tell you just to do it? Now I'm telling you, you gotta do it. I ain't hitting you. Hey, give me a little bit better, Joey. I'm telling you something. I know what you said. I ain't doing it. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Rotten Potato Podcast, a podcast where four friends sit down and review movies that you absolutely should have already seen. And my name is Zach, and I am here with three of my best friends in the world. I'm Tyler. I'm Scott. I'm Jake. And we are here talking about, in the words of Jake's mom, just a nice movie. <laughs> yeah, she said that about this movie? No, she said that about Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, oh. which is the saddest movie of all time. Yeah, uh, And so I, I think I told the story on pot, so I won't, I, won't, I won't say it for too long, but she was like, oh, we were, it was when I was still living at home and we were like trying to find a movie to watch. She's like, this is just a really nice movie. And then we watched it and I was like, mom, that was the saddest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And you did not adequately prepare me for that. Like, I think it was a good movie, but I was not, I was ready for a nice movie and I was not ready to just experience what I experienced. Isn't it like somehow about 9-11? It is all about 9-11. So basically this kid, he's, so Tom Hanks is his dad. Tom, he died on 9-11 and he's like this, like really like, uh, like, introverted socially awkward kid and then tom hanks has left him i forget how it happens but he's left him this mission to find the hidden some hidden borough of new york and he goes around post 9-11 and he talks to all these people and everybody like comes together and i think it's wholesome but it's so sad like it's so sad there that you I mean, I think you shared that story maybe two seasons ago and I still think about it regularly yeah. because just the idea of describing that kind of movie as just a nice. Movie. Yeah, it's, it's, he's like, oh, like my dad who it, it, like it's probably set in 2002, like yeah. early 2002. And then he's like, my dad, who just died in the World Trade Center attack, sent me on this mission to like bring me out of my shell. And, and he's not saying this, obviously, yeah, yeah. but that's what's happening. And then all these people are like so touched and everybody's so sad. And it's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Calling incredible, uh, extremely loud, incredibly close. Uh, just a nice movie is a little bit like uh, making out during Schindler's List. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I, 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 uh, saying this, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm talking badly about extremely loud and incredibly close. I or, think it's or a good your movie. mother or my mom. I she <laughs> just I just. Imagine hearing that and then watching the movie that I'm yeah. describing. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, I would have been ill prepared. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was like, oh, okay, this is not what you said. It I was. would be expecting like uh like like secondhand lions or something like yeah. that. Like that's just <laughs> yeah. a nice yeah. movie. Yeah. Like it's just nice. Secondhand, yeah, like you, know? it, it, you feel good. Uh, and that's not what I got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, for those of you um, who may not have an idea of what we're doing, we are doing uh, the Martin Scorsese film Raging Bull, which if you've seen it, you know that it is not just a nice movie. Um, it's a feel bad movie. It's you know what, guys. I didn't mean to bring back Bummer Summer, but I, <laughs> but you did. I accidentally did. I'm sorry. It's Had funny. you seen this before? No, I had never seen it. Okay, I'm uh, I'm like trying to get all these movies in, you know, and I'm watching it. I get home from work, I start watching it, and then maybe like 20, 30 minutes later, Carla comes home, so I like pause the movie and like greet her and everything, and then she's like, "Oh, what are you watching?" I'm like, I'll watch it with you. And it was right as they were talking about, uh sleeping with a 15 year old yeah and i was like uh i don't think you're gonna like this movie uh maybe we can watch harry potter <laughs> yeah i i thought about you twice this month and this is one of the times uh-huh. just about how bad of a time you're having this month uh-huh. yeah uh this was a better time than the last one so that's oh, shocking wow. i feel a, like this movie was way harder i'm a little surprised to hear that yeah i mean i wasn't bored Okay. Like, you know, like this movie, like at least like I was as it wasn't a good time, but I wasn't bored. Sure. Okay. Well, do you want to hit us with some of the the facts then? Also, before you do, did someone delete all of my markings for like uh, late bloomer? Because I've never deleted anything on the sheet in my life. 
Because somehow, like, I'm for sure a late bloomer to this, but somehow this and the last movie shows that I wasn't. They got shifted because Zach's picks got shifted. But I, yeah, I mean, Fast On hasn't changed, and I definitely mark those as having not seen them. Uh, I don't know. We they, just go they, back. It just got shifted we, we because of some of them got okay. moved around. Uh, also, yeah, probably before Scott hits us with just the facts, Zach, did you talk about why you picked this movie? Uh, no, I haven't. No. Um, let's do it at the same time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Double track. So, uh, I mean, I picked this movie, uh, because it's a very famous movie for uh, like the same reason that I pick a lot of the movies is because, you know, if, if we're going to be talking about movies that you absolutely should have seen, like, I think that this is, this is, uh, according to AFI, the fourth best American film ever made. Um, I, this has been on my list, similar to Dr. Strangelove. Both these movies have been on my list for a long time. Um, and we, we've only done one Martin Scorsese film prior to this. I believe, I think Goodfellas was, is the only one we've done. Uh, no, we did gangs in New York. Oh, we, I completely forgot about gangs. Um, so in my mind, I was thinking we should do more Scorsese, but I, you're right. We should do more. Yeah. I have one on my list as well. You do. Yeah. And I mean, he, as prolific as he is, he has multiple films that probably deserve an episode, but on, I honestly had forgotten about gangs. And so, um, but no, I had thought that we should, we should have more Scorsese representation. Um, and this is definitely one to do. This is by some people considered his best film. A lot of people would consider this one of the best sports films ever made. And so I figured that we should do it. And I did not know it would be so depressing. And, and truly more De Niro. We've, we've gotten That's very true. little De Niro. Uh, yeah. Goodfellas is one of the few. Uh, Goodfellas and Godfather Two, I think, are the only two movies we've done. It. Wow, yeah. really? Those yeah. are the only two. I think probably what it is is maybe we've all seen a lot. Of we've them. seen a lot of De Niro's movies, yeah. Which is, I think, I don't think we have a flawed concept, but I think this is where we suffer sometimes. Is like, oh, we've done one Tom Hanks movie, yeah, because just Tom Hanks is so prolific, and we all like the movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've all seen all of them. So maybe that'll be some Patreon content for us, like maybe movies that we've all seen but we love. That yeah. We want to talk about. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Very potentially. Uh, in case you didn't know, uh, Jake Jake made that nod uh, very briefly, but we do have a Patreon in case you haven't heard yet. Uh, I promise we're going to start talking about it a little bit less, uh, but we just wanted to make sure everybody had plenty of chance to hear about this. Uh, if you want to support the show uh, and you want uh, exclusive content, we spent you know probably five minutes before we hit record on this episode that's just on Patreon. Uh, and you get to see it in video. So you get to see our ugly faces. You don't really get to see my or Scott's faces because we are <laughs> going to see the, the side profile. Yeah, you faces. see our sides <laughs> and then we're facing you guys. Yeah, which is, you know, I think how it ought to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'd agree with that. Ooh. I'd agree with that. I mean, at least on Zach's part. For sure on Zach's part. I think Zach is front and center. Zach is front and center. Uh, but no, if, if you guys want to support that, you can go to patreon.com slash rotten potato pod. Uh, also make sure to follow us. If you aren't on Instagram at rotten potato pod, uh, we have incredible folks, uh, Molly and Kimber who have taken over our social media and are finally actually utilizing it because we were just so bad at social media that it just died for a couple of seasons. Do you want to know what I think is worse than not posting at all is posting sporadically, which is what we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, <laughs> oh, sometimes you get posted <laughs> and then sometimes you don't. Yeah. And I think, I honestly think that's worse. It's it's worse than nothing. Yeah. There's also uh, some some merch options on there too. On Patreon. On Patreon. Yeah, yep. not on Instagram. Um, all right, let's jump into the facts. Uh, as we said, this was directed by Martin Scorsese. It was written by Paul Schrader and Mardik Martin. Released December 19th, 1980. Has a runtime of 129 minutes. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 94%. IMDb gave it an 8.2. Had a box office of $23 million on a budget of $18 million. So it was positive, but didn't wasn't didn't perform that great 1.3 X on that. Um, it did win two Academy Awards for best actor for Robert De Niro and best film editing. And then it lost six other nominations for best picture, best director, best supporting actor for Pesci, best supporting actress for Moriarty and then best cinematography and best sound. So that, that's a lot of, that's a lot of noms. Yeah. 
eight, 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 eight total, total nominations. nominations. Like that's that's insane. That is quite a bit. It's easy for me to think like, oh yeah, that's a moderate amount since we have like Return of the King or like even Everything Everywhere All at Once that was nominated for quite a few last year. But most movies don't get close. Most to eight. movies don't. Yeah, do like that. that's. I mean, we think about it. Return of the King was. 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's happened one time since then. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's easy to look at a lot of them over time. But then when you think about it, like 20 years is a long time. Yeah, definitely. most of my life. Mm -hmm. I wonder, I I don't know off the top of my head, but I wonder if this is the most nominated Scorsese film. I have uh, no idea. And I think it would take us too long to find that out right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Jake, yeah. Why don't you hit us with your reaction? I think I... Going into this movie, knowing what I knew about it, I wanted to like it a lot. Um, and I struggled with it. I think I think I can realize I think I can recognize why this is as beloved as a movie as it is, but I struggled with a few things. I think one of the things I struggled with was some of the relationship development with uh Jake and uh I'm not talking about myself. Jake, what's his name? Lamada. Lamada. Um and like some of the other characters were like, I feel like especially with his uh, new wife where like we kind of get this, like we get this montage of very happy memories and then all of a sudden they're in an unhappy marriage. Like, I feel like a, a lot of, a lot of things moved quickly. I don't think it had to move quickly because we're covering his life. Right. And there, there's a lot to cover, but I think I struggled with some of that, like trying to figure out maybe what was going on. And honestly, I've never said this in my life, but I think I struggled with the choice to put this movie in black and white. I, oh, it was oh, wow. a little bit I'm hard to hear that I, because I like black and white movies, but I think that this movie might've been a little bit dark. I don't know what it was, but honestly I had just had a hard time looking at it sometimes. And I wish, like, I just thought I wish this movie was in color. Uh, and uh, there's movies that have chosen to go in black and white that haven't bothered me at all. Like I really liked Oppenheimer that came out in 2023 and half of that movie was in black and white and that didn't bother me. But and I wish I had uh, maybe a better way to articulate articulate why it bothered me. Yeah. But something about the choice to put this movie in black and white didn't sit well with me. Uh, but like it's 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 a it's a boxing movie, and I really I like sports movies. I like boxing movies a lot, or like like watching old boxing fights. And I like Robert De Niro. I love love Joe Pesci, and so I wanted to like this movie a lot. But I think I struggled with a lot of it. But at the same time, I think I can see why people love it. And the other reason I think I struggled is I don't, I don't really like to watch bummer movies. Uh, and so that I, me personally struggled with that. And all of our boxing movies so far have all been bummer movies. Yeah, they really, because the only other boxing movie we've done has been, uh, the Hillary Swank and Clint Eastwood one, a million yeah, dollar baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but I struggled with this, but I think I can see why people like it. Well, luckily we have uh, a non-bummer boxing movie coming up in just a few weeks. Stoked. Yeah. I'm excited for that too because I like that movie quite a bit. Um, Tyler, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I I really liked this movie. I really liked it a lot. And you were a late bloomer, right? I was a late bloomer. Okay. I, to be honest, was not expecting to like it as much as I did. I don't think I love Martin Scorsese that much. That's surprising. Like, it's a I, hot take. Be, well, I, it's surprising to me because you liked The Goodfellas, right? Or you were the one that didn't like The Goodfellas? I was the dissenting voice. But you in loved Gangs in New York. I really loved so Gangs in I New York. So that's, I guess, half of the Martin Scorsese I've talked to you about. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and I think the thing that worked so much for me with Gangs was uh, Leo and DDL. Yeah, it's it's uh more it's their hard. performance is less Martin's less directing. Martin's directing or less Martin's vision. Like Martin has a very really specific vision for everything that he does. But it, it is hard to like make a bad movie when you have DDL playing against or I guess Leo playing against DDL. Yeah, it it, it really is like a winning combination. Yeah, you're right. Uh, now, it's not to say that I don't, I haven't enjoyed Scorsese films. Like, I love, love, love The Departed. I think it's excellent. But, like, there are other Scorsese films, Goodfellas included, that, like, I just, I don't get. They don't resonate with me. I don't find them that, like, novel or, like, creative. Um, 
this film I truly loved. And it's funny, Jake, I actually thought, and I'm not saying you're wrong by any means, but for me personally, I liked the decision to put it in black and white. And it was about halfway through the film that I decided that I really liked it. And it was, uh, it was because it created such a timeless feeling where I, I, it was hard to tell if this movie was made in the eighties or the sixties. I, I can see why you think that I thought the same thing. Like I, I'm not saying it was the wrong decision, but for some reason I struggled with it and I feel yeah. like I'm the person to struggle with that the least. I agree. And it, so like I was surprised at myself Yeah, and like, I almost didn't want to admit it to myself until like most of the movie was over. And I just thought, man, I wish they would have put this movie in color. Like there's something about this that's bothering me. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not, I, I wouldn't argue it at all. Like, I think that's entirely a subjective yeah, and like, I for both of us. Yeah, and I I don't think it was the wrong choice. Right, it just didn't work for me. Yeah, totally. And and that yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't argue it at all. But like I did really like the timelessness of this. Like it felt very, it. I mean, obviously this was based on source material. You know, a, a book that uh, Jake LaMotta wrote himself, right, about his life. It was an autobiography. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was. Yes. Um. And it felt like even though this was made in the 80s and the, you know, content was in the 60s, it felt very much like it took place in the 60s. The content was in the 40s, I think. It, it spanned. It spanned I, I, thought it, oh, I thought it spanned no, 41 right. to 49. 40, no, 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 no. Because the, the opening scene where he's like big and like beat up, that was in 61, I that think. That was in 41. No. Then it would have been twenties to forties. Not the very first scene when he's reciting um he's rehearsing his Oh, when he's an old man. Yeah, when he's an old man. That's in the sixties. I forgot that that was the first scene. Yeah. I I was thinking the first scene was the fight. Yeah. No. The the fights took place in the nineteen throughout the nineteen forties, maybe a little into the nineteen fifties, and then he retired. Yeah. And then the end of the movie takes place in the nineteen sixties. Yeah, no, I I forgot that um that was the first scene yeah. when, you, when you said that. Um, I've been a little out of the conversation the last five minutes. I know minutes, you've so been I, he- trying to <laughs> trying to help our patrons. So um, I so I, if I if you guys already went down this rabbit hole, just stop me. I don't think Tyler's even done giving his takes. I'm not. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's okay. I appreciate that you came back in raring to go. Uh, I'll, I, I'll say I, I really did. I truly loved this film. Uh, I was surprised that I did. Uh, I thought that I was gonna just be whatever about it. And part of that is like, uh, like hot take. I don't like taxi driver. I haven't seen taxi driver and that's the movie I I planning on picking next year. Yeah. But just know, like I, I don't personally like it. That's fine. I just feel like it's so famous. Yeah. 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 It's incredibly famous, but just like raging bull. And to be honest, taxi driver has kept me from watching raging bull. Because I didn't like Taxi Driver. And it's, they're both Paul Schrader screenplays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this, I mean, gosh, I thought it was so terrific. I mean, I I really thought this was super well executed. Like I said, even with Dr. Strangelove, I had an interesting experience watching these movies where I felt like, man, this feels like it could have been made this year. Um, Like, the just everything about it I, I thought was really, really interesting, really well made, uh, incredibly depressing for sure. But, you know, also to be honest with you, I didn't realize until halfway through the movie, I, I wasn't sure I was gonna admit this on pod. Uh, I didn't realize until halfway through this movie that this was a true story. And it was because I was like, man, Scorsese is really making some choices that only make sense for a biopic. And I was like, but I didn't think this was, I thought this was a, an original screenplay. And I was like, man, like this feels very real life. And so finally I just Googled Jake LaMotta and I was like, okay, good. Like he's a real person that makes more sense. But all of, all of Scorsese's decisions felt like they really, uh, existed to support the real life person versus being hyper sensationalized like a Rocky or a Creed or a warrior 
or, you know, whatever else, or a million dollar baby, which are very fictionalized. So I think maybe since you were embarrassed or you didn't want to admit it on pod, I think I would have thought the same thing if I hadn't looked at the IMDb and seen Jake LaMotta credited as something. I don't remember what he was credited as, but he was credited somewhere on online. And I was like, oh, that's a real dude. Because I think I was about a quarter of the way through the movie when I had looked at it. And I, I think I would have gone maybe the whole movie without realizing that it was a true story. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt halfway through, like I said, like like the, the decisions were in support of that kind of a, you know, story. But I just thought it was excellent filmmaking and then realized it was a, a true story, which is, I think, really cool and interesting that Scorsese let me know that it was a true story without ever telling me that it was a true story. Because I don't think it opens with any kind of, this is a true story. No. No. Uh, but halfway through, I was like, this, this is, this has to be a true story. Uh, and it was, and I think that that is an actual nod to the filmmaker that he made something feel so visceral and real and could only be real life. It did. It felt, and maybe that was one of the things I struggled with was it, it felt, it felt like a very real, very self-destructive man. And I just struggled to connect with him and struggled to root for him. And I think that was also one of the things I struggled with. And sorry, I think I just forgot to say that. But like, it was just, it was hard for me to connect with Jake, uh, despite us sharing a name. And then, <laughs> or maybe because of, yeah. I don't feel like he was trying to get us to root for him either, though. No, I don't think he was trying to get us to root for him. But I think that it makes a movie watching experience easier sure, at least sure. if you can connect with or root for the protagonist yeah and i'm not saying that you always need to be rooting i just i feel like it's an easier watch uh-huh uh, go for it, scott why don't you go um yeah i would say i had an okay time watching this movie uh for just the enjoying my time doing it aspect of it i think there's a lot of like critically really good things about it um i knew it was a real a true story because i read everything ahead of time. Uh, but there were a couple things that weren't accurate to the actual timeline, like in the real life story. So like she was born in 1930, he was born in 1922. And so in, in 1941, she was actually 11, not 15. And wow. she didn't actually meet him until 45. So they just rearranged some of the things in his life to make it more story. palatable well no they actually met in 1945 at 15 like he just moved some of the fights oh, and stuff got it uh, oh, after they met got when it. in reality those things had already happened before he met her gotcha okay so like he because 1941 he's 19 right and that was one of my only like uh, he did not look like a 19 year old he didn't read like a 19 because he was irl like third mid 30s but he also just his his uh decisions his interactions read a lot more mature uh-huh yeah. have you guys uh did you guys watch daredevil no the show or the movie the show no um oh well then this isn't gonna hit with any of you but it, the his some po- some tots it might but uh in daredevil the in the first season they kind of cut back and forth between his childhood with his dad as a boxer uh and then his present day. And he, to me, read a lot like his, you know, single father, uh, boxer dad as like, but he was in his thirties as well. He, yeah, didn't, exactly. he didn't read like a 19 year old. Right. Me. Yeah. But he, he, he read, he read way like De Niro played the part older than 19. And I think mm-hmm. that that, I don't know that that, yeah. Like as far as like a movie making, you know, like, like it's not making a, uh, like telling this guy's story accurately. But it maybe makes it more compelling to me to like, like, cause you know, 30 is an old boxer, right? Like, right. It, it's a little bit, he's a little bit more of an underdog story at that point. Yeah. And at it, 19, it's like, okay, you just haven't gotten your break yet, but it's a, it's around the corner. Yeah. But a 30 year old, like, like, a, like, yeah, like a, a 30 year old boxer is like, he is struggling and he's, he knows he can make it or whatever it is. So that that's interesting. Yeah. It was interesting because like, so like his, the opening fight, I mean, after you're in the movie a little bit, like his first fight when he fights um, the guy that they end up calling it for the other guy. Yeah. Like that happened when he was 19. Wow. Like he was trying to get into the heavyweight or the middleweight. Uh, yeah. Championship. Championship at 19. Wow. Um, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a super compelling real story. 
but I, yeah, I'm not sure why he made the choice to rearrange some of the events of his life in those early years. My guess is to fit Robert De Niro casting Robert De Niro. Yeah, because he, I, the like the first mayor like it was because they looked like they were already married for like multiple years. What like the way that they talked to each other and treated each other. Yeah. I'm like, okay, but he's 19 right now, so that like, it just felt a little weird to me. But. Yeah. Part of that is also like dating ourselves that it's like that. I mean, yeah, that people got used to get married earlier. Like they, when they got married, she was 16 and he was 23. Yeah. My grandparents got married when they were 17 and 18. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My parents were married at 19. Yeah. It's something I heard that Scorsese say as well. And maybe this plays into it. Maybe I, I don't think the film itself reveals when Jake's supposed to be born or alive or anything. Scorsese almost kind of made it sound like they used Jake as a template to create the character for the film. Yeah. They're a little less interested in telling the story of Jake, even though it's clearly based on Jake. But he said, like, we're not trying to accurately tell the story of Jake's life. Jake inspired this character. And we want to, and he even said, like, if we tried to do that, if we asked um, Vicky Lamada, what was your experience like? If we asked his brother, what was your experience like? We would have a Rashomon type situation where we get different depictions of him from every person. So we took all of that collectively and crafted our own character and told that character story. And and it really, it was, this was Robert De Niro's project from the get-go. He was the one that brought Scorsese in and, oh. and De Niro was the one that really kind of spearheaded this. And so I don't think there was ever really a time where they considered casting anyone other than De Niro for the film. And so maybe, Interesting. maybe uh, that really was more the case was just De Niro wanted to play this character and wanted to tell this story. And he's obviously not going to look 19. Mm-hmm. So and just, I think maybe, maybe it's just a product of all of that, but this, this feels like a role for De Niro. Like, I, I can't imagine... I can recast this. I actually thought this halfway through the movie, but carry on with your oh, point. Uh, that was the whole point, is I, I don't know that I can imagine not not De Niro playing this role, uh, but if, if you have a recasting, I would love to hear it. I, I thought halfway through this film, you know, halfway through this film, I thought, we don't need another one of this. I think this is excellent. Um, but I also thought I could see this being made today. And I would cast uh, John Bernthal Ooh, as Jay LaMotta. That'd be really good. And I would cast Lady Gaga. Oh, I like that. As yeah. his wife. Like, I think that those two today would pretty much make, and, and that's why I would say, I don't think we need to make that movie because I think they would just make the exact same movie mm-hmm. if, just as well. If I'm know? honest, and I, I don't mean this to throw shade at John Bernthal and Lady Gaga, but I do feel like they could play. Uh, I don't feel like it's a hot take to say that they were trashy. Yeah, people. totally. And I feel totally. like they could play. They can play trashy, trashy. characters, or John yeah. Bernthal and Lady Gaga. Yeah, John Bernthal and Lady Gaga you can play trashy. trashy. Can play people? trashy people. No, I don't no, think they're trashy saying, people. I think that they could play a trashy oh, I person. They can play yeah, trashy okay. roles very, wow. very well, yeah. and probably even better than a Robert De Niro. I agree. Like, could yeah, could do that. So I, I see what you're ah, saying. I feel yeah. like Robert De Niro did a pretty good job. Of being I think trashy. he did. I no, think he, he did, did a good great. job. He did great. But I feel like I would maybe even buy it a little bit more from John Bernthal. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe that's just based off of some of the roles that John Bernthal has. I'm going to be honest. I don't right. know who John Bernthal like, uh, by name. Shane from Shane Walking, from Walking Dead. Dead. Oh, okay. And he was the Punisher. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know. Once again, I was out for eight minutes earlier in this episode. Uh, did you guys talk about how Robert De Niro put on 60 pounds for old? I haven't. I, he, I he actually, did that really? Yes. Yeah. I actually oh. haven't even given my take yet. Okay. So I also really liked this movie. Um, I was a little conflicted about how I felt about the movie. I would say maybe 30 minutes in. I actually really wasn't sure if I liked this or not. Um, and it really wasn't. I, I kind of gradually warmed to it. But around the hour mark was kind of finally when I was like hooked on the movie. And then everything past that point, I really, really liked. And I think what happened was I finally had some sort of emotional connection to the movie. Um, because Jake, you said like, I, I really struggled to root for this character, this or that. I felt the exact same thing. And I, I asked myself, like, I, I remember thinking to myself a couple times, like, why should I care about this, this character's story? Um, 
And it wasn't until halfway through that I finally started to feel some sort of emotional feeling about the movie. And I think that it was just that I really started to kind of despise, but also really pity Jake. Mm. Um, and that was, that was like, I think the emotional buy-in that I needed to compel me to the rest of the film. And then it really helped after I watched the movie reading up about Jake's story, um, which I think this movie almost underplays how bad of a person he was. He was a mm. really bad person. And it was really interesting when Jake, the real Jake in real life, went to the premiere of this film. He actually brought Vicky, even though they were separated at the time, he brought Vicky to the film. And in his words, he said it was the first time that he had his eyes opened to how bad of a person he was. And he looked at Vicky and he said, was I really that bad? And she was like, you were worse. Wow. And I, that, I see why you pity him. And I, I think if I really thought about it, I would say I do pity somebody that's still self-destructive. And obviously, and I think you mentioned something about this uh, in our group chat about how, you know, he probably had a, a rough life leading up to this, which is what led him to be the person that he was. And I, I think I see pitying him. And I do, if I, I really had to think about it, I would say I do pity him just for somebody who is that much their own worst enemy. But it's still hard to root for him. Yeah, it is. Uh, he, like you said, um, just about his upbringing, one thing that I read was that um, his father forced him to fight other neighborhood kids for money and they would use that money for rent. Um, later on, he, I mean, uh, other than what is already depicted in the film, he admitted to rape. Um, he, had, he had raped a woman. He was married seven times. But uh, yeah, he was obviously oh, so a womanizer. He is a way worse person than I, than is shown. He in the movie. is. But also, he, uh, both of his sons were killed while he was alive, and so he had to bury both of his sons. Wow. One, I think, I think what I want to say died of liver cancer, and the other one was killed in, in uh, a plane crash. Wow. Um, and so I, I mean, I just am filled with uh, disgust and just a tremendous amount of pity for this very unique character. Yeah. And he, I and I think to your point Jake, pity uh pity and and maybe like rooting for really aren't the same thing. Like there are people that I despise but that I do pity their their existence. Like you know, they're they're they made awful decisions, but like their life has also been so awful that like it's not that it reduces the weight of their decisions. It doesn't at all. Um, it doesn't excuse them. It certainly explains them. And it makes me pity them even more that like they, because I, 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 they, I know so many stories of like really awful upbringings that they turned it around. They make decisions to turn it around. Mm -hmm. And those are people that I root for and that we all root for, you know, the underdog. Um, and then there are people that are dealt a, a terrible hand and also make terrible decisions. And I think I pity them the most because they had, they had tools and they had people that could have helped them turn it around. And for whatever reason, they chose not to lean into those things. And I pity that existence so much more than just someone who's had a rough life. Yeah. I, I think... Oh, sorry. No, that was it. Uh, like, to, to put it in terms of Lord of the Rings, which is the only way I can process things. Uh, <laughs> it's similar to the only way Scott can search a movie is, is to Jurassic start with Park. Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. He, Jake LaMotta is truly Gollum. Like, you, yeah. you pity Gollum, but you do not root for him. No. Yeah. And I, like, I think I thought that a little bit ago and I thought it'd be funny to say, no, but it's it also, totally. I think fairly accurate to maybe how I felt about the movie. Like if I was watching a movie about Gollum, I'd be like, man, that sucks. Uh, but I hate you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I, I, Oh, go ahead, Tyler. I was just going to say, I have empathy for you. Uh, but I don't 
I'm not on your team. I'm not on your side. Yeah. And I honestly, I think that, uh, like we've called this a boxing movie. I don't think this is a boxing movie. There's less than 10 minutes of boxing footage in this film. Yeah. Like this is, this is a movie about Jake and boxing is kind of tangentially related to the story. Yeah. I would say. Now I will say the boxing sequences are electric. I, I that's so I was just going to say like I wish we had more than 10 yeah. <laughs> because I, they're really good. Those are my favorite parts of the movie and like I I think boxing is a sport that I would like to get into more and I just Honestly, I think what it is is that boxing is mostly pay-per-view and I don't want to buy a boxing match cuz I don't know if I'm going to enjoy it. But like excuse me, I'm sorry. If I if I watch an old boxing match, like I watched uh, HBO has a terrific uh, Muhammad Ali documentary. Mm. And I think Muhammad Ali is very charismatic and there's a lot of reasons of course. to, to what, but I love watching like old boxing footage and like a boxing movie. I really like, but I, yeah, I don't, I think I was expecting a boxing movie and this yeah. really wasn't. And so that like this movie didn't come into what I was expecting. And that might've been another reason why I struggled watching it. Well, it was it, for sure way more million dollar baby than it was uh warrior. Yeah, but I, I I feel like Million Dollar Baby was even much more of a boxing movie than this was, you know. Maybe. Or, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, because like uh, at least like a lot of the the development of the characters and happens like, in oh, the context of a the gym. Yeah, but yeah. we like you know we're watching you know Jake just eat himself to death or whatever it is that he's doing and like getting fat and like you know just like being really controlling and abusive of his wife and honestly kind of pushing boxing to the side even though that's like his main mm-hmm. goal in life is to be a better boxer and to to win he's mostly just most of the movie i feel like we see him you know shoving boxing off to the side and not focusing on it at all self-destructing yeah which is his entire thing. he's just so self-destructive i i I actually developed a lot of empathy <laughs> in this movie, surprisingly, for Jake. I think at times I I am prone to self-destruction. Uh, and you guys have been witness to that at times in my life. And you guys have also pulled me off the brink of that. And I felt like I, I actually related to Jake at certain points in this movie because I was like, oh, this is what would have happened if I treated the people in my life, like he treats the people in his life. Yeah. I mean like that, that, that scene at the end with Joe Pesci was so, Oh, so heartbreaking. Cause like, I mean, his brother was just so on his side and I think like I felt bad for Joe Pesci, but then I don't know. I don't, I don't think I realized how much like all of his actions impacted him forever. Like the way that he had not seen his brother in, I don't know, how long is it? Like 10, 20 years mm-hmm. since he's like seen that. his brother and he still won't even talk to him. Yeah. You know, and like, like obviously all the things like in the moment when he was like, did you sleep with my wife? Did you do all these things? And like, he's like, how could you ask me that? I'm not answering that question. And like, obviously that's terrible, but like he, I don't know, like that, I don't know, that, 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 that scene was, I think the saddest scene in the movie for me. Oh, without a doubt when he's, when they're in the car park and he's like hugging and kissing on him and Joe Pesci is just trying to like, pull away from that it was truly one of the most heartbreaking scenes i've seen i can't say that i blame either person you know like i can't say that i blame joe pesci for or not joe pesci what's his brother's name in the movie joey Joey. Joey. yeah i can't say that i blame joey for completely pulling away because of what happened but i can't say that i blame jake for just Wanting. wanting something from his brother he's lost everything like it's so sad yeah yeah i w- I was gonna say like as much as i I pity um Jake, I was able to find one character to really like root for and and um and I guess for lack of a better word, enjoy when I'm watching on the screen and that was Joe Pesci's character Joey um because i I don't necessarily think that he's a good person uh he definitely doesn't seem like maybe he's the best father or maybe the best wife, but he's a husband re- husband I'm sorry best husband yeah um but he's a really good brother. And I was very endeared with just the the fierce loyalty that he had to Jake. And just for Jake to use Joey's attempts to protect his brother against him and to assume culpability in something that never even happened uh, that eventually leads to Jake physically abusing him um, was really powerful and, and heartbreaking. Yeah, I think, yeah, to get his, his fiercest defender so far away from him. Yeah. Hmm. It's just like, cause like every, man, like every, every 
scene of the movie when any everybody was completely right to not be on Jake's side. Yeah, Joey was, mm-hmm. and then to pull it's just to, to have him be so far broken and have their relationship be so far broken that Joey was just like I. I, I'm walking away from you and I'm not even going to talk to you until you completely corner me. It's, it was so sad. Yeah, and Joey, had, he really had nothing to hide. He's really trying to protect his brother and he's really trying to protect his sister-in-law. And by doing that, his uh, refusal to answer Jake's questions led Jake to assume the worst. Um, but and- I 100% agree with him that like, why why should he have to answer that? He's been, like, you're right. Even exactly what he was doing was in defense of Jake. Definitely, yeah. And even uh, if it was wrong to to do, I don't know that it was or wasn't. Like, it seemed like she was just, maybe I'm wrong, but it seemed like she was just trying to go out with people and mm-hmm. not be controlled. And like, maybe yeah. it was wrong for him to say, you can't do this, but he was still doing it in defense of Jake. Right. And to see him turn on him for that, I can a hundred percent understand why he wouldn't even answer that question. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, how, how did you guys feel about Joe Pesci's performance? Cause this was kind of his, his breakout role. Yeah. Scott, I, we haven't heard from you in a little bit. Uh, I was actually thinking about Joe Pesci and I thought he did super good. I understand why like people started casting him after this. Yeah. Um, I think he fits and it makes sense. The roles he was cast in as well. Like how he played this character kind of slimy, but also super like loyal, which is similar to a lot of the other roles that we've seen him in, even on the pod. Um, I thought it was interesting too, that I believe I read and maybe, uh, you guys already said this, that he's the reason that Moriarty got brought in as well. We haven't said that yet, but yeah, you're correct. Like, um, yeah, he got brought on and then he was like, no, this is who needs to be Vicky. And it was like her first like role too. Yes. Um, but yeah, I thought he, uh, did great. I wish there was more of him in the movie, honestly, Mm -hmm. like from the point that he got beat up till the very end, you don't see him. Yeah. And I just kind of wish I had more of him because he was more enjoyable to like just see on screen than um, De Niro was. For I me. I don't know that I've said I've seen enough Joe Pesci movies and performances to have this take, but I don't think that Joe Pesci has ever been poorly cast. I don't think I've ever seen Joe Pesci and think I wish that somebody else did this, and I don't think I've ever seen Joe Pesci and think, oh wow, he wasn't good. Like he's always great, and he's always I feel like exactly whatever part he's given needed i feel him and steve buscemi i feel that way about it's so funny you say that because i i thought about a few minutes ago i was like okay i brought up the joe bernthal or john bernthal and lady gaga and we all uh, well at least uh zach and jake you seem to agree that 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 could be good um but i was thinking about recasting joey and i i couldn't like i couldn't think of anyone that I felt like, like I truly felt like John Bernthal, to be honest, there were some scenes where I was like, yeah, John Bernthal could have done that better. Uh-huh. Honestly, even than Robert De Niro did. And Robert De Niro is truly one of the greatest actors of our lifetime, of our lifetime. Uh, but I thought John Bernthal could have done it better. And there were some scenes with Vicky where I was like, man, this reads so much like some of Lady Gaga's acting performances but I've seen her do it better. And like, I, I, I really like, I, I really stand behind that recast, but for real, like Joe Pesci was so perfect in this role. Yeah. And I just, I, I, yeah, I think I would like to watch more Joe Pesci movies, but I think it's because I think I've never seen something that he wasn't the right person for. And I, I don't know how that's happened. I don't know if it's like, uh, maybe wisdom or just like foresight on his part to know what he should and shouldn't take or his agents or directors, but he's just been right for everything he's done that I've seen. Something really interesting too is that he uh, was kind of on the fence about taking this role. Really? Um, yeah, and prior to this movie, he had only acted in some like really small time stuff that oh. like his friends had made. And Martin Scorsese happened to know one of the guys that had like made uh, one of the films that, that Joe Pesci was in. And so he told Martin to, I believe he told Martin to consider Joe Pesci and he, he had him read for the script and Pesci was kind of on the fence. And the reason being was he wasn't sure if he wanted to be an actor at that point. <laughs> That's nuts. It is pretty nuts. It just, yeah. I mean like he's maybe not the most famous person, but like he's been in like some like all time great, he was in the Goodfellas. He was in this movie, which mm-hmm. even though I struggled with, I is like an all time great movie to like have him be like, I don't know if I should have been an actor when he's been in some of the, the, some of the greatest movies ever by a lot of people's estimation. That's nuts. It's, 
So I wanted to look it up who won because Pesci was nominated for best supporting actor, didn't get it. And I wanted to look up who got best supporting actor and it was Timothy Hutton for ordinary people, which I've never seen before. I haven't, I haven't even heard of it. I don't think I have either. Uh, I, I don't want to undersell Robert De Niro though. Um, Robert De Niro has always been an actor that I enjoy. He's not someone that comes to mind when I think of like all time great actors, I thought he was terrific in this film and he, he really blew me away. Um, I, I don't know if anyone could have done this better than him. And he like floored me in this film. So let me ask you. So you said you hadn't thought of him before as all time great actors. Would you now? Uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, I think that I would consider this maybe all time great performances. Uh-huh. Um, but if you ask me like, what are some other like, Amazing performances, Robert De Niro. I, the I, intern, obviously. Meet the yeah. Fockers. <laughs> hey, don't knock the intern, okay? That's a, <laughs> that's a very fun, feel-good movie. I love it to death. I actually haven't seen it, uh, but I feel like it's it's probably not one of the greatest performances of all time. Probably mm, not. And the thing, no. Robert De Niro is a very prolific actor. He's been in a lot, so he's been in a lot that I still have not seen, and a lot of them are just... Uh, Scorsese films. I feel like that's the thing. Like, the, it also about like old rock stars. Like, so many people, uh, actors, are just artists, I guess, in general, be, uh, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, uh-huh. we're just doing so much. Yeah. And uh, people just don't do as much anymore. So, like, you have these people that have, like, 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 I think about David Bowie, for instance, who I love. I think David Bowie is one of the greatest musicians ever. But then if I listen to half of his albums, they suck. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. They're bad but then he i guess it's just law of averages you put enough you out enough there hits and then yeah. something's gonna be good right yeah he has enough good songs to to make up maybe three albums worth but then he's made however many albums he's i mean, honestly like it, 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 it was a time where you made an album yeah. maybe two albums a year uh-huh. and he was doing it for like 40 years i feel like um a role that other people would go to to demonstrate de niro's um maybe level of acting would little be little fuckers yes <laughs> little it'd be the intern it'd be little fuckers <laughs> and then be, like, raging bull way below that would be godfather 2 and raging bull mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Right. no i was gonna say taxi driver which yeah. i'm with you tyler i don't really care for taxi driver either yeah and i don't remember thinking uh de niro blew me away on the same level that he did now so if if i were pressed to think of a role that was on the same level as this from de niro i couldn't do it could you think of a role like how many roles? I get because you you I think you love this a lot. So like how many roles outside of De Niro do you think are like this? How many performances have you gotten this like this? Well, I mean, I think DDL can Plenty. deliver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam it, Driver's had a couple. Sure, I'm, that, I'm not. I'm not saying that it. It just seems like Zach thought it was one of the all time great performances. So like how many all time great performances are there? You know, I, I mean, I have to really think about it, but yeah, right. I mean, what comes to mind is like DDL and there will be blood. Yeah. Um, I feel like Philip Seymour Hoffman is probably given some, maybe oh, him in the, the master. master. Yeah. Um, I think Leo, I think you could probably say that Leo's given some, like, I think that there are other actors who are able to Django. deliver on this level more than once. Okay. And so maybe that's why Robert De Niro doesn't come to mind, but I would say this is up there. Like I, he really blew me away. I agree with you completely. Like I, I don't particularly love De Niro. I don't, I don't have a lot of love lost for him, but I thought he was fantastic in this. It was, I, I didn't know he was capable of this. I uh, truly like throughout the movie, like De Niro, like I feel like this is the mark of a truly great performance in my opinion is that De Niro ceased to exist and it was just Jake LaMotta yeah, for me. There were times I really did not recognize him. Yeah. Yeah. In, in both, both settings when he was young and old. I think uh, to change gears and I think maybe to lighten it up a little bit. I think uh, for all of us, we need to find a movie where the character is uh, named like you and you get a, you get a scene where people are chanting your name and people wearing jackets with your name on it. It was pretty cool. There, uh, <laughs> there's only one that I can think of for Tyler and it's Tyler Durden. Yeah. That's not as cool. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of any Scots. I could probably come up with some Scots. All I can think of is saved by the bell. 
for Zach. For me, yeah. Yeah, but Zach like Morris. I, I've got to say, like watching people walk out with like Jake jackets, and I was like, why don't they say Lamada? And I was like, you know what? I deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was kind of interesting. Robert De Niro, uh, he actually trained with Jake Lamada. Huh. Um, and Jake said that he was really good and that he could have been professional if he wanted to. He actually had De Niro sign up for a couple fights and um, I think he fought three times and he won two of them. I would, I wish I was alive at that time so I could go watch De Niro. Yeah, that'd be crazy, right? People. He gained like 20 pounds of muscle. It's, it's sad that the closest thing we have to that right now is Elon Musk and Zuckerberg. Yeah. Which I'm pretty amped about. Oh, sure. I want to watch that. But like, how much more would you rather watch? Like who? Well, Leo or Tom, somebody. Just Tom, go, do we Tom think Hardy. that That's fight's actually going to happen? Uh, I hope so. I doubt it. I think that. He, I, I think Zuck himself just said like, hey, anything Elon said, don't don't trust it unless I've confirmed it. Yeah, I think Elon's going to back out. Yeah, Elon's fight. been Elon's but, been the the one that's like, oh, you know, like just doing it. It, it appears like just doing it for clout. Mm-hmm. But he, Zuck is actually down. Elon's a big talker and an idiot. <laughs> I, I don't I don't feel uncomfortable calling Elon an idiot. I wouldn't call Zuck an idiot. I think he's probably and, very and smart. And you famously don't like Zuck. I don't like Zuck. I don't think Zuck is stupid. I think that Elon Musk is stupid. I and in I <laughs> That's don't crazy. It's not crazy at all. Yeah, like, like, like if you hear him, so like, I mean, I'm in the industry. I think that, he holds opinions that are stupid. No, but like, like the things that he says about software engineering, for example, when he came in, he fired all the Twitter engineers and, and he would like say things. He's like, Oh, like everybody in the company has to send me their top three most salient pieces of code. I, I'm going to censor myself. What the hell does that mean? That means he's an idiot. He doesn't, I, he's not an engineer and he wants to talk like he is. Uh, and I feel like because I know he's talking out of school here, I feel like he's talking out of school everywhere. He just got money because his dad was an emerald miner in South Africa. And then he had a bunch of money. He's invested well. He's, he's just, invested well. I think he's a more. He also helped create PayPal. Not really. Not really. He that hasn't helped. Peter cre- Thiel. What, what, what Elon Musk does is he comes in. He didn't help create Tesla. He just came in. He just bought it. He spent a bunch of money yeah. getting himself listed as a founder of Tesla. But he came in like six or seven years after Tesla was founded. Elon is a moron with a lot of money. Uh, I, I agree. I don't want to take up much time talking about Elon Musk on the Raging Bull. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Scott, Scott, Scott baited me and I have I have a lot no, of opinions about this. you started the conversation yeah, and I just disagreed. said I disagree. Yeah, yeah just I just, uh, yeah, he, he disagreed with me and I have a strong opinion about okay. this. Um, maybe that can be Patreon content. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we can get some Zuck versus Elon commentary uh, during the fight. Super down. Patreon content. Um, what did you guys think of the cinematography in this film? I noticed it a couple of times. I thought it was I I thought it was really good. I thought it held up very very well. I think I already said earlier that I think I struggled with the the black and white decision and some of those mm-hmm. like that decision I think I struggled with. So I I think the cinematography for me I struggled with, but okay. I Again, I don't think it was the wrong decision. It was just a decision that I I wouldn't have made. It was really interesting hearing Martin Scorsese kind of talk about um, how intentional he was with the with the cinematography, but then also the editing, the way that they would um, speed up and slow down frame rates for different scenes. And there were scenes where, like he'd mentioned when they did it, and I remember thinking, like, I didn't even notice that that happened because it was so minuscule the way that they would affect the the frame rate. Um, but to convey a, uh, some sort of sense, whatever it may be at the moment, just like how intentionally he thought about it. But there were times where it did feel very obvious um, in, in a really interesting interesting way. Um, but I, the scene that I keep thinking about that I went back and I watched several times that I wish that I could just rewatch right now because I was kind of in awe of it is the the final fight between Jake and, and Sugar Ray. Um and I thought it was so interesting. And I think we've talked about on a different podcast, Tyler, we were talking about the Rocky movies and how sometimes those movies get a little repetitive and the fights are a little repetitive. And something that was really cool about Creed three was that Michael B. Jordan got a little creative to almost get a little surrealist. It was the, the blackout. Yeah. The exactly. blackout around the ring. And this movie did that. It got very surrealist with some of these fights, specifically that one to slow down, to have Sugar Ray almost kind of drop his arms, almost as if he's not 
about to fight and to, to have him and Jake have this stare down. Um, I think we have maybe like a very minor accordion shot in that, that scene, everything about that scene. I just remember thinking, Holy crap, this is so cool. So good. I, I loved that fight cinematographically. One of the things I loved so much about it, I did love the, the slow motion. Yeah. When he drops the, when they have the stare down and then when, you know, the slow down, uh, you know, just wild haymakers coming in. Um, but I loved the, like, um, throughout that whole fight, we have not only frame rate changes, but we have editing pace changes where we have like a bunch of quick shots of like punches landing and like crazy blood spatter, you know, it almost looks like arterial spray coming off. Oh, that, Honestly, that grossed me out a couple of times. Yeah. It was really interesting. Scorsese said that was one of the reasons he, he liked the black and white is because you couldn't tell if it was blood or sweat. Right. Right. I honestly, I felt it felt very clear to me that it was blood because of the way it squirted. I've never seen s- s- uh, sweat squirt the way. Ne- neither of them work quite that way in real in real slow-mo in a real fight. Neither of them quite work that way. And that took me out a little bit like to be honest, where I was like, you know what? Like, that was a little bit, that was bad prop work. It almost, is, my interpretation was almost like that was intentionally surrealist. Like, it, and it might intentionally be. over the top, the, the blood splattering on the crowd. On the crowd, It, it sure. did seem over the top in a almost maybe intentional way. Maybe. Uh, but, but it did, it did take, it took sure. me a little bit out, yeah. but overall, I really loved that sequence. I mm-hmm. thought it was, I thought it was really well made. And it was interesting the way that that scene ends. It pushes on the rope, and the little bit of blood dropping. I um, had heard, or maybe I read that that was an image that Scorsese had while he was watching a real match. He saw like there was blood and he talked about just how visceral of an experience that was because coming into this Scorsese had no interest in making a sports movie. And that's probably evident because there's very little sports in this film. Um, And at the beginning, he actually really had no interest in making this movie at all. And he had, I think I texted you guys about this. He had felt like he hadn't had much success in the American film industry and was just going to go to, um, to Europe to film whatever he could do. And Robert De Niro was the one who kind of convinced him to take this project on. And Scorsese later credits De Niro as not only saving his career, but saving his life with um, bringing him into this project. But then the more that he read about Jake LaMotta and then the more that he kind of like exposed himself to boxing, he realized just how primal of a sport this is. And I think that really compelled him in the image of just of like literal human blood on the rope was something that really stood out to him as being really interesting. And uh, something that I heard Scorsese say that I thought was a little disturbing, but really interesting was um, what compelled him and compelled everyone involved in this project was that they all kind of saw themselves in Jake LaMotta. And he said, I see myself in Jake. Paul Schrader sees himself and De Niro sees himself. Uh, which is kind of a crazy thing to say, you know, but it, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's a, I've heard someone else say that like all of the best filmmakers are perverts. And so it's kind of interesting how like some of these people that tell some of the most compelling stories are not afraid to tell these really disgusting, feel bad stories for lack of a better term. And maybe they're able to do it so well is because they're honest with themselves and they're able to see the worst parts of themselves in some of these really despicable characters. I mean, yeah, to be honest with you, like, I guess getting a little bit vulnerable, like that's something I relate to. Like I'm, I, I just, I'm, I'm about finished writing something that, you know, was just, I, I felt like I needed to write in order to get in touch with emotions that I felt like were there, but I couldn't access And like, truly, like, I don't think I want anyone to read this. Like, it's just very dark and very grim and very despicable. But it's it like it helped me to like access emotions about something else that I'm going through that like I felt like were distant from me. And so I relate to that in some way. And and like I said earlier, like I, I definitely like. I could see Jake's story in my own story in a way that like, 
yeah, this is what like yeah, you Jake. Uh, I can <laughs> see your myself. story in my own for story. The patrons, yeah, for the yeah, for the patrons. Yeah, uh, but like I can like I can see how I could have ended up like this character and and like this real life person. But obviously, this is dramatized to a certain point, and I I could see myself in this in this character. Um, and it's a little vulnerable to say like, yeah, I'm one of those, I guess, perverts to, you know, that point that whoever said that was. Um, but I, I relate to it, man. I, I thought this was an exceptional piece of art, uh, that well deserves its acclaim. Uh, I don't think this is a movie I'm going to watch again anytime soon though. I don't think it's a movie I'm going to watch again ever, but I am, I'm glad I've seen it. And if it comes up, which honestly, I don't feel like I've heard this movie even come up in conversation. And I'm a little bit surprised because of like what I read about it and how much it seems to have the acclaim that I never knew it had. But I'm glad that I can join in in a conversation about it. But I probably will never watch this again. Yeah, I, I won't watch it. Ever it does kind of feel like it's it's the film lovers type film. Um, and it's interesting to kind of hear, I think, different generations have different experiences with Martin Scorsese, whereas like I think this and Taxi Driver uh, and maybe maybe even like Mean Streets or something like that, and then definitely Goodfellas are the films that people in older generations really know Scorsese by. But I feel like if we were to go and talk to all of our friends, they've all seen Shutter Island, which I think Martin is- Scorsese did that? Yeah, he did that. I don't think I realized that. And it, I mean, I think it's a good movie. I like Shutter Island, but I don't think that that's the film that like- People who who critique film professionally, whatever, bring up. It feels, uh, I get I, to to your point. It feels very different than any of the other Martin Scorsese films that I've seen. Yeah, definitely, like, a completely different. Like or like Wolf of Wall Street. You know, like I feel like it's almost like he has had a different. Uh, like our generation has kind of experienced him differently than than the prior generations did. That's interesting. As a I filmmaker, it, I feel like that's very rare. Yeah. Well, maybe we just haven't had the chance to experience it as much as we have with Scorsese because he's been so prolific because he's made so many films mm -hmm. over such a long period of time. Maybe this is what we'll be saying about Jordan Peele in 20 years. Right. Yeah, maybe. I'm, Truly. I'm, I'm, I was like, trying to think about a, a director right now that is. That. Yeah. Well, and you know who I almost feel like is kind of the opposite of that is Steven Spielberg, who is still working, has been making films for a long time, and I think still is making really great movies. But even our generation still remembers him from E.T. and from Jurassic Park. He started nostalgic. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so I guess it's know. easier yeah. to do that. Right. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a good point. Like, those are the kind of movies that, like, our parents would show us because they're not going to show us Taxi Driver as or, a kid. Or certainly not Raging Bull. Yeah. Really, none of his films. Yeah, but I can't it think is of a family-friendly kind of, source. It is kind movie. of funny how like Spielberg's films still are his early work is still very prevalent in in the younger generations their minds, and I feel like that's not as much the case for Scorsese. Yeah. All right, what do you guys say we put this one to bed? Yeah, I gotta pee pretty bad. <laughs> Zach, you're up first. Uh, yeah, I'll give this eight point eight punched faces. Uh, I'm gonna give this uh. 7.9 um, wives. Man, al almost <laughs> almost better than Fast 6. Almost. Uh, I'm going to give this uh, 7.6 uh, Italian sandwiches. But I'm sure that's what he was eating. <laughs> Tyler? <laughs> I'm going to give this uh, 8.7 miles of black and white film. Oh, shoot. Can I change mine to Phil Leotardo's? Because uh, <laughs> the actor that played Phil Leotardo in Sopranos is in this, and I, I hated him as soon as I saw him. Yeah, you can say, yeah. This comes out to an 82%. Uh, once again, Rotten Tomatoes gave this a 94%, and IMDb gave it an 8.2. So we're right in line with IMDb. I just want to say it's it's funny to me that, like, Dr. Strangelove got nine nine point four and eight point nine and it is still lower than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah by one point i'll be honest i talking about scott surprising us i thought scott was going to rate this similarly to dr strangelove i'm, su I'm surprised you liked it more than dr strangelove i said at the very beginning like yeah dr strangelove bored me and this didn't no i'm, going I'm into not it. i'm i'm not talking about an hour ago i'm talking about several days ago yeah 
like, like coming into today. No, I I legitimately think Doctor Strangelove wasn't good. Yeah, we understand. Yeah, that. No, we I'm understand. just saying I'm We're surprised just... that you thought this was good as well. Like yeah, the, that, yeah there's that a lot of critical things. I thought I thought this. you would have hated this. Yeah, yeah. The, the I thing didn't is like the that, story. Yeah, <laughs> like they, there's yeah, a, there's but, also many 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 critical things that are good about Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, that it has a higher I, IMDb. I said in that episode I didn't pay attention to the critical things because of how bored I was. Yeah, yeah. I'm just we get it, we get yeah. it. Just just know that we were expecting you to crap on this movie, and it's a pleasant surprise yeah. that you didn't. I was, it it annoys me it. actually uh, a little bit because of what he just said right now, where he said that things were good about this, that it, there was nothing good about Dr. Strange. You Love. can't, that's that was an like argument a, you can't win. Yeah. It, it's just like, I feel <laughs> like, I feel like he is giving this movie credit, but not that movie. And I feel like they're both good movies. It's, 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 there will be blood all over again. Uh, yeah. Jake. You just got to live with it. Honestly, I'm so upset about it that I didn't even, I don't have to pee anymore. I'll probably have to pee as soon as we're done, <laughs> but I'm thinking about that instead. All right. Well, where I, I think we're going somewhere really left turn. Yeah. You, yeah, we're going to me, which is, uh, actually, uh, a Ron Howard movie. Like we were talking about S- Steven Spielberg being, you know, mostly romantic and mostly uh, nostalgic, Ron Howard as well. And uh, we're going to... That's not right. This isn't no, Ron Howard. Steven it's Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. That's okay. what it says. I'm sorry. You're I, just reading the next I one. wrote oh, down... It, it's hard to see from uh, this far away. Yeah, and I've got chords in my way, and I was like, this can't be right. We were talking about Steven Spielberg, and it is Steven Spielberg. But you know what? And we're if going to a, a very nostalgic... If there was a different filmmaker, Ron Howard would feel appropriate. I let it go because I was like, okay, I guess maybe I thought wrong. Yeah. yeah, it could have been yeah. Ron. But no, it was definitely Steven Spielberg with Ready Player One. But Ron Howard narrates it like Arrested Development, right? He does. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's yeah, good. He does, yeah. Uh, Zach, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Um, Dude, I think this episode is just going to be effed up.